0: Hi, welcome to Stardust Records, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Savi, and I'm here with my co-host, Lens. This week, we've got a very special episode for you, but first, we'd like to acknowledge that the SAG after Strike has now been suspended for official sources, and we're really excited for its members and want to congratulate them on this really great win. But without further ado, let's get this episode started. Just as a little bit of a catch-up, Ahsoka premiered August 22nd, I believe, and I know Lindsay and I both watched as it was premiering, but to show solidarity, we didn't cover it on the our podcast. It wasn't required to do so, but we still wanted to show our supports in some way as, uh, you know, podcast hosts. So we'll spend this episode going in essentially two episode increments. By that, I mean Ahsoka episodes. But we'll spend about five minutes around each episode. We could just jump right in. I want to know your thoughts on episode one. What did you think? I thought that the opening was really engaging and really...
1: A good way to sort of thrust us into this new era of the timeline we have seen some of it in Mandalorian but we didn't get we only got bits and pieces of the new republic and so the this opening with Balin and Shin just like going in and kind of asserting asserting themselves over the new republic officers and, and the ship was a cool way to see how the new republic operates now that it's not the rebellion anymore So I thought that was a really interesting way to get into that.
0: Yeah, and we kind of see that the word isn't necessarily used, but they kind of are introduced as a form of a mercenary, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because, you know, they wield red sabers or what was supposed to be orange sabers. But like you said, the seeing the New Republic in, in that sort of way, I feel like is something we haven't quite seen before. But the scene directly after that is something that... I have, you know, put a lot of thought into when we get our introduction to Arcana, which is that uh, planet that Ahsoka is seen on with all of the uh, the Night Sister decor, I'll say. But we kind of find out in this one scene, just by visuals alone, that the Night Sisters are kind of confirmed, or like the Witches of Daphne are like the Zepho in a way, in terms of being like a far-reaching civilization. And Morgan Elsbeth, like back to the New Republic ship, is freed. So we kind of put two and two together that Morgan is lo- going to be looking for a map like a treasure planet map that Ahsoka is holding with Balin and Shin.
1: Yeah, and I thought it was really cool, as you said, that we get this confirmation that the Dathomiri people are just as ancient as the Zepho. And we bring up the Zepho because in Arcana or Akena, the ruins there, there are a lot of motifs and architectural sort of references that seem very similar to the Zepho. Mm-hmm. and we obviously know the Zepho from Jedi Fallen Order and on Daphomir as well as other planets but on Daphomir there are Zepho um, ruins and tombs so it was really cool to see that bridge from the video games the lore from the video games merging into this live action and that the lore is interweaving itself together now
0: and speaking of live action, in this episode, we are introduced to Hera, uh, and we are seeing like where the relationship between Hera and Ahsoka is, and Sabine, but we also get some other Rebels characters, like uh, Ryder Azadi, who is now governor of Lothal, if I'm not wrong, and we get J. Kell, who's a senator, which mm-hmm. he has a very small role in Rebels, so it was cool to see him have a much bigger one, but we also kind of check in on Sabine, in this episode, it's not a big t- amount of time that we spend with her, but we kind of see that she's still similar to her Rebels character, but she has grown up quite a lot, has has experienced a lot more. And we learned that she has a much deeper connection with the Force than we thought since the last time we saw her in Rebels. Mm-hmm. And like, on
1: Sabine, I thought it was also, uh, I feel like it was a really fitting entry point with her in this series because she's on the thal that's where we left her when we last saw her in rebels and so we pick up with her on the thal and she she embodies a lot of like canaan with uh her I feel like she just embodies so much of the characters that we've lost or left behind or are not seen Mm -hmm. in in this series and so uh very reminiscent of Ezra and in Kanan in some ways and the fact that she like didn't show up to the celebration and like why that is and everything so um do you have something to say about about that I was just
0: thinking about well I guess I suppose I do but speaking in on Kanan like last time we saw Sabine with Kanan he was training her with the Darksaber, but in this particular episode with Sabine, we get a fight with our new character, Shin, and she's not good, Sabine. Sabine is not good at lightsaber dueling. It seems like she's forgotten her skills or obviously haven't like brushed up on them, uh, but we do know that she has been training with Ahsoka per like a former conversation with Hera, which during this lightsaber duel like she does such a quote unquote bad job that she what we think is killed she we, she gets killed by shin uh, but the episode kind of ends on a on a cliffhanger there and i don't know about you but that entire week was uh, was gut wrenching for me no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> it definitely
1: was uh, it definitely was a cliffhanger i was like surely she's not dead but
0: that was pretty a uh, pretty catastrophic wound and that kind of leads us into the next episode, which thankfully it kind of just starts right off right off the bat, where we find out that she's alive. I put in my notes Sabine alive era. But <laughs> this whole episode I really enjoyed. It just felt the whole se- season felt very like Rebels esque, but this one specifically like the conversations that were had and like mm-hmm. most of it like just felt like very traditional too. Lethal, but I one of my favorite hearts were Morgan and the mercenaries I'll just refer to both of them as uh, mercenaries but uh, they go to Seatos which is or Seatos I'm not sure how they pronounce it in the show but we find out it's another night sister planet where they were settlers on but what I really liked about this planet is that it seems like might not be the last time we'll see it I feel like Seatos could open like doors with future stories so i hope that we don't push it away completely like i I do hope that it comes back
1: Mm -hmm. i i did love the the landscape i -hmm. loved the forest and the the where the um we call them standing stones were where they could read the map yeah i thought that that was such a like i'll never forget that scene like that's that's such an iconic uh spot in that episode and further episodes that. It's just going to like be stuck in my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we get, you know, like you said, we have them discussing their plans, like what Elspeth's like ultimate goal is, but we're still not understanding exactly how that's going to work out. Like she wants to find Thrawn. She wants to bring him back to power, but we don't really understand how that's all going to work out. And so this episode also covers um, Hera and Ahsoka having a lot of conversations about Ahsoka and Sabine's relationship as Sabine is recovering. Mm-hmm. And also uh, Hugh Ng has his own conversations with Sabine, but Ahsoka and Sabine have a lot of like, like a heart to heart almost about how Ahsoka should, you know, maybe give Sabine another chance and that how she should open her heart basically to her again. And maybe they should work together again, because obviously they've gotten this far by Sabine being able to unlock the map and everything. And so, we get to see Hera and Ahsoka kind of have to have have their own side adventure and discover that there are hyperdrives being built, huge hyperdrives and they're kind of unaccounted for and being taken off world. So we kind of piece together that that's what Elspeth wants that she wants these hyperdrives brought to um Cetos and we ultimately, I don't remember if this episode ends on the hyperdrive ring or not, but um the Eye of Cyan, Yeah.
0: Yeah, which so this episode, you know, but I just watched Lord of the Rings, like, immediately after I finished Ahsoka, and, you know, Dave Filoni always kind of refers, to, I don't want to say always, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, like, he's used Ahsoka the White as, like, a term for Ahsoka's character, which obviously, like, coexists with Gandalf the White, and she's kind of been this, like, Gandalf-style character, but... You can hear it when you say like Eye of Scion, like Eye of mm-hmm. Saudon. And then mm-hmm. I was doing a little bit more thinking about it while we were preparing for this episode, but Morgan is definitely like a Saudumon figure or Saurumon. I don't know how you say his name. I am brand new to the Lord of the Rings lore, but their characters are so similar. Like mm-hmm. a a witch slash wizard, you know, protecting who you know, protecting Thrawn essentially and the eye so he's mm-hmm. essentially like the person who inspired It's it's very cool like the thought that was put into into the lore of Ahsoka and how it's like heavily inspired by but anyways this episode I feel like was kind of just like an introductory to the rest of the story which I feel like was there was there was a lot like I, I we're, there was a lot okay there, like, there uh, was I'm a sh- lot in this episode <laughs> we eventually get so, oh, I do want to touch up really quickly, but the ending of Rebels was kind of brought into the en- this episode of Ahsoka, where I don't want to say retconned, because I hate that word, because it wasn't retconned, because really the only thing that changed was the color of what Ahsoka was wearing. She was wearing gray rather than white. And I feel like that that's like a, uh, not, I don't want to say a good change, but I feel like it was Dave Filoni showing that Ahsoka wasn't quite, I don't want to say ready either, for lack of a better word, like Ahsoka wasn't quite ready to be that, go ahead, you're about to say something.
1: No, what you're saying is amazing, and I want to expand on what you're saying, because the, I didn't even think about it like this but when you brought up Gandalf and like Ahsoka the White and Gandalf the White Ga- he was Gandalf the Grey first just like how is yeah. Gandalf the Grey here in that scene mm-hmm. on the Thal but after she has her like near-death experience just like how Gandalf had his yeah. near-death experience mm-hmm. becomes so good yeah oh my gosh yeah w-
0: that's why I was like okay you speak on it because I know it's gonna be the exact no, same no
1: no yeah. you you triggered that you triggered that mm-hmm. for me and that's that's so cool um I didn't even think about that transition mm-hmm. uh that's why I didn't, we're
0: it's getting- <laughs> why I didn't, didn't want to call it a change because it's not necessarily a change but it, it, it is like an excellent I'm so glad that I watched Lord of the Rings right after because Mm -hmm. the connections are are crazy cool but what I wanted to bring up was I thought it was really symbolic that uh you know Kanan and Rebels cuts his hair and Sabine kind of does the same I feel like hair is like a massive symbol for change whether it's getting longer or shorter but in this case I feel like when she was cutting it and when Kanan was cutting it it's like getting rid of a certain type of weight and like hair is heavy and sometimes Mm -hmm. the things that we carry on our shoulders are also heavy and to feel like you have some sort of control over the situation or like a want to change like hair is the perfect way to explain that so I just thought that that was a great thing to bring into Sabine's character storyline was the hair change and making it so similar to Kanan's
1: yeah yeah and did she change the color in that scene
0: I think it was still purple the okay. orange okay. had just kind of got oh that's cut what off. she cut off
1: yes that's mm-hmm. why that's why it made me think that in my mind um yeah and then they are setting off on this They they decide that they want to come together and they want to set off on this journey together and and take a chance on each other because they still aren't you know they haven't resolved whatever happened in the past. And we still don't know exactly what happened, like at this point in the series, mm-hmm. we, we didn't know. Yeah. So we're kind of going on this journey together with them. Literally. Um, and that, literally. literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you want to, we can move on to episode three and kind of yeah. merge into that. But we get to see them um, training on the T-6 uh, shuttle that uh, Ahsoka has, which I just, side note, super cool ship. <laughs> uh, I, they, do they have a lego set of it yet i think they do I, I, would, think so. I would love to have it i would love to have it i like that ship um i love how it like spins around anyway um <laughs> we we get to see them training and
0: that was a good uh, scene
1: it was good I, it, it I was loved... like
0: we definitely saw their like form of the formation of their camaraderie and like a hint of what it used to be in the past mm-hmm. i think
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i loved hewing's uh Kind of interjections here or there his his yeah. criticisms quote-unquote criticisms and uh but i think that he tells them what he needs to what they need to hear yeah and i love that about his character is that he's there to kind of just like the voice of reason exactly exactly and sometimes
0: it's hard to hear but he's he's the one to say it uh, just to like mo- move on from that but we got some pretty cool cameos uh we got Mon mothma Talking to Hera, uh, we got uh, Hamato Zino from Star Wars Resistance, which was really cool. Who we kind of learned was an asshat. Sorry. <laughs> um, but Mon, I loved Mon's... I, I'm not saying this because I'm biased, because, you know, Andor and, and Rogue One and stuff like that. But, like, I loved Mon's presen- presence in this story. I thought it was really important. I thought Hera, you know, as... I don't know if Mon is a single mother at this point. We'll find that out in Andor season two. But you know, two single moms kind of having this like level of understanding with each other, and like both being higher powers in like the New Republic. There, there's a there's a a connection that Hera can't have with anybody else but Mon Mothma, in, in my opinion. And she appears in the later episodes, but like Mon asks Hera. excuse me how jason is doing and it's that's so important it humanizes both of them they're not just generals she's not just a chancellor uh yeah so it's i don't know i thought that was really important i just wanted to call that out but i thought that that was really important scene but after that we get jason immediately and he's so cute and I love him, and I love the actor, <laughs> and he looks just like Kanan, and it broke my heart. But it, it, I, I loved seeing Mother Hera. We didn't really get to see that, so I thought it was a really important scene to see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: and and Chopper being there, being Jason's best friend, was was really heartwarming.
0: Yeah, I, I love that Chopper is more understandable. It, he, we he was we didn't touch on this. A few minutes ago but in the last episode on Corellia we like I have Corellia in my notes but um you can hear what he's saying he was never quite that understandable in the past but now I feel like I, I was like I know exactly what this this monster is saying not a monster. <laughs> this this droid is saying but I I, I love that Jason has somebody and I know that he has Hera, but it's important for like someone so young in the midst of a of an almost war, I'll call it. It's important for him to have somebody with him at all times, I think, and not just mm-hmm. because he needs a babysitter, but I wouldn't even call Chopper a babysitter, but <laughs> yeah, after that scene, though, we get a very clone wars esque moment with Ahsoka that I was like, holy moly, we're watching an episode of the Clone Wars. But we get Ahsoka in a space flight suit and it reminded me of the episode and I cannot remember the name of it, but in the Clone Wars, uh, with the episode with Anakin and Fives, and they have to go out. It just reminded me that of that, but with Ahsoka, and we kind of see like her expert her lightsaber expertise as she's fighting Shin and the rest of the uh uh, I wouldn't even know what to call them, the mercenaries. But yeah, that was a great scene.
1: Yeah, I I really enjoyed, like you said, the Clone Wars esque of it. it. It just reminded me of just everything I loved about the Clone Wars, in the sort of fantastical. You know, like you said, she's out. She's out in a spacesuit. On, and I love the way her Laku and her Montrals like fit into that and everything. That was just so cool to see and her banter with her communication with Huey and Sabine in the ship and how they had to work together and uh, I, I ate it up I ate yeah. it up yeah
0: <laughs> yeah at the end of that episode which will kind of lead into us talking about episode four but uh, they land on Sietos which is like this beautiful forest planet with these amazing red trees and you know Shin ends up there and it kind of leads into this i loved sabine's and shin's fights i i just thought that the choreography was really good i think that ivana and natasha had great chemistry and it really like bled through during fights and i loved seeing sabine put on her helmet i don't know why i i do know why because i loved rebels but i the the like transition from live from animated to be to live action and I feel like was just seamless I feel like Natasha really gets her you know mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and I wish we had seen even more of her with the helmet because I feel like it just brought her entire look together and I love I love that she kept her, because um, we didn't see her in her Mandalorian armor at the beginning of the series, like initially. So as she's like, she keeps that with her, like she keeps her Mandalorian heritage with her. And I love that. I keep saying I love that, but it's true. I love it all. <laughs> and so that kind of, that leads us into episode four. So they've landed, they're on, they're on Citos. Elsbeth dispatches Shin to go, or Balin dispatches Shin to go, and Marok, We haven't really talked about him, but he's kind of this Inquisitor-esque character that we didn't really know too much about, Um, but they go and try to intercept them and slow them down because Elsbeth and Balin are trying to derive the hyperspace coordinates from the map so that Mm -hmm. they can use it, the Eye of Scion, to reach Thrawn, so they're kind of on a time crunch, and um, Ahsoka, Huang tells them not to split up, but they end up splitting up. Ahsoka fights with Maroc, and that was such a cool fight because you get to see just how. I mean, we knew that Ahsoka has her, has this kind of peace, not a peaceful way of fighting, but she's so collected and calm. And she faces Maroc with this poise that is so indicative of a Jedi master. Like, she's definitely in control of her um skills and so and it's also a really good way to juxtapose so her fight with Maroc with her fight with balen um go very differently and so we get to see like what shakes her mm-hmm. um out of that so i think that having her fight mark and then balen was a really good choice narratively mm-hmm. and then of course we get to see sabine fight shin and i will just say i did not expect what happened to Maroc? like i did not expect him to disappear into a a ghostly wisp and so my thought i don't i we haven't really i haven't really voiced this to you or even thought about this like voiced it out loud but do you suppose that Maroc was like reanimated by elspeth
0: yeah because
1: he's like a reanimated person
0: yeah i think that the the green smoke kind of gave that away uh but it was never really answered, so I feel like it's just kind of up to audience interpretation now. But mm-hmm. we also like do- never really touched on like the I'm forgetting the word the extent that's it of Morgan's power, uh, and I feel like that was like a way to show it. But uh, maybe he was an inquisitor, and we just didn't know. And I I don't know. It's a very interesting thing that I hope that it is like brought like touched back on but you know spoilers uh now that morgan is dead uh it's difficult to tell like if we will touch back on it but i feel like it. it it's pretty like yeah he he was just a, an extension of morgan's power mm. yeah but we go further into the episode and sabine meets up with Balin and shin and there's kind of like a a kerfuffle I'll call it uh, Ahsoka eventually joins in and it's like a a, a double duel or whatever <laughs> you want to call it but you know Sabine this there were people discussing the episode on Twitter and I felt and I, and I was reading it because I did want to know what other people were thinking but a lot of people thought that this was out of character for Sabine to go with Balin and Shin but I thought it was completely in character Sabine to go with Balin and Shin. Knowing, because we did find this out very briefly, we touched on it very briefly at the beginning, is that Sabine's entire family is dead. Tristan, Ursula, and I'm forgetting her, her father's name, but they're all dead. They died. So Sabine essentially feels like she has nobody left. Even though she has Hera and Ahsoka, but sometimes it's easy to feel like you have nobody left when you've lost everybody. But the possibility that Ezra is still alive is so attractive to her that she is willing to go through that form of, I don't want to say betrayal, but I will use it because it's, as a lack of a better word, but she is willing to go to that length. Like, she is willing to essentially, like, sacrifice everything that she has now, even though it doesn't feel like anything, to find Ezra. And she had promised him to his hologram. That she would find him again, because he asks, and he says he's like, "I know that you will." So it's it, it to her, it's like that's her life's goal. That's her her one thing. It's like the Jedi training didn't work out because she wasn't entirely focused on it. Uh, like her parents and family died, so it's just her her brain is like not one hundred percent on multiple different tracks it's just essentially like she has horse blinders on that's how I was interpreting it and I think that this was completely in character of Sabine and honestly if I were in the same situation as Sabine maybe I would have gone as well so I don't know what did you think
1: yeah no I agree with you and I think that if she had just destroyed the map that isn't to say that you know they weren't gonna find Thrawn like it Mm -hmm. It was like Ahsoka's like yeah if you do this this is how it'll be like we'll save the you know save the galaxy Thrawn won't come back but that wasn't for sure and I think that Sabine like you said she need she needed to find Ezra to feel like that part of her life was Uh, like I don't want to say like she was trying to find closure but in a sense everything else was chosen for her like all these other endings were chosen for her like she didn't she didn't want her like family to die she didn't have control over that she I think Ahsoka walked away from her so she didn't choose to end that I don't think I think Ahsoka did so like she had never she hadn't had a choice so I think by choosing Ezra that was choosing herself in a sense, but not in a self I know it sounds like it's selfish, just like you said, it kinda like betrayals like the only word you could think of, but mm-hmm. and selfish is the only word I can think of, but not in a sense of like she's not doing it because she's only thinking about herself. She's doing it because this is something that, like you said, as we're said, you know, I know you'll find me. So I, I do believe I feel the sim similar to you. I-, I don't think that she I don't think that was out of character for her.
0: Mm-hmm. And if If people consider it selfish, I don't necessarily think that that's wrong i I think that it is there's like a, a in this case, there's like a blurred line between selfless and selfish, mm-hmm. but it's also we completely forgot to bring up the fact that her decision was also partially made because she i don't I could be wrong, but doesn't ahsoka die quote unquote, yeah. die before. She yeah. makes this decision. So she just lost Ahsoka and she has no idea what like Hera is up to, like yada, 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 but things like that. So it's like that's also a massive contributing factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about seeing good old Anakin Skywalker?
1: I so I'm not like the biggest Anakin fan I don't hate him or anything but seeing him in live action in the world between worlds seeing like hearing his voice and then seeing him was so I wanted to cry like and the moment I saw him because I was like this is so
0: freaking cool yeah (laughs) I I know most people thought that too Mm -hmm. that first clip of him in the in episode four uh Mm -hmm. was a little jarring I will admit the de-aging I just feel like wasn't like the greatest but then as we kind of jumped into episode five I feel like it was just significant it it was amazing like I, Mm I I I am not the biggest Anakin fan either like you said but like there is a sense of nostalgia to his character like I grew up on the Clone Wars rather than the prequels like I I feel like the Clone Wars were more like significant part of my Star Wars journey rather than the prequels but uh, I have a partner Alex he's been on this podcast before who's like die hard Anakin fan and I was watching it with him and seeing somebody like so affected by the presence of his character in such a positive way was so beautiful it's like how we feel about Cassian returning for Andor like that's that's their that's their Roman Empire. <laughs> but it, it was a really beautiful introduction to his character again. And I we haven't seen Adult Ahsoka with you know Rise of Rise of the Resistance. Oh my god. Uh Revenge of the Sith. And again, I, I just felt like it was it was a really beautiful episode. And we kind of touched on multiple different parts of ahsoka's journey with anakin and we got young ahsoka who was played by ariana greenblatt and she is young gamora and she's also most recently in barbie so i feel like the recognize like recognizing her was quite easy but she was so good i loved her i i thought that she brought clone wars animated ahsoka to live action perfectly and I know I've said that multiple times about multiple characters in this but I really think that she embodied the like young girl the child because I feel like we're afraid to use that word for Ahsoka because she was involved in war but the child that Ahsoka was
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I loved her um the way that she voiced her questions and in some ways doubts to Anakin Mm -hmm. and the the blurred line between memory and present uh or being present in a memory. So like young Ahsoka is older Ahsoka in the memory, but also not and -hmm. also sort of yes and no. And I I love that sort that melding Mm -hmm. that uncertainty of knowing exactly what's going on in that sense. Obviously we know that yes younger Ahsoka is older Ahsoka in the memory, but I love that we got to have her questioning him Mm -hmm. and sort of reckoning with what she experienced as a child, because in the moment, I don't think that Ahsoka fully processed it all. And so to see her embodying her younger self, processing what she experienced and reckoning with it, and then holding Anakin accountable for his behavior and actions in a sense, Mm -hmm. uh, And Anakin facilitating that because she wouldn't have gotten that in any other way if she hadn't encountered him in the world between worlds. And I think that's a part of a rebirth in a sense, how we referenced earlier with um, like the Gandalf, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sort of the Gandalf thing. Um, I, and I, I think it's so crazy because Anakin is such a polarizing, in a sense, a polarizing character and he represents polarizing ideals but I think that Ahsoka needed to face that. And yeah, so I, I, it took me a long time and a lot of thought about that whole scene, that whole, that whole part of the episode to really grasp it in the best way and really understand it in the way that it was probably meant to be interpreted. But now that I've gotten there, I, I think it was a really beautiful way to kind of, um, show growth in Ahsoka and like finally bring her into her own. Like she's able to leave things at the wayside now, or she's like finally able to process certain things. And I think that through her like death rebirth, that was a beautiful way to do it. What did you think about how they facilitated Ahsoka's like death rebirth? Like what she experienced with Anakin? Like, what did you think about that? Like, what did you think about the way that they decided to portray that whole thing? Because she went through that for a reason.
0: Her death rebirth, as in like waking up outside of the world, like coming to life again.
1: Basically, her entire experience could be like a rebirth experience.
0: I see. You know what okay, so like experiencing the, experiencing what she went through as a child, but with an adult's mind. Yeah,
1: just how did you feel okay. about that? That what she experienced there.
0: I, I thought it was important for her because the beginning the first few episodes I feel like Ahsoka was not immature I don't want to say immature but she has experienced so much that instead of facing it it's easier to just suppress it and I think that that's like a really accurate and real human way to experience trauma I'm gonna call it trauma uh she has been she has been through a lot and she kind of experienced that through the world between worlds again, but from an outsider's point of view, from herself as an adult's point of view. So we kind of got, we got two very important battles in Ahsoka's life that were life-changing for her specifically. So it was presumably Geonosis. I'm going to say it was uh, considering like the situation at hand uh, Anakin's Clone Wars armor, which he looked great in. uh, Rex's uh, appearance and the significance or not the significance, the significant amount of clones that died, uh, things like that. So this was like her first real battle as a child. And then we get the siege of Mandalore without Anakin. She did it alone, alone. She had Rex with her, but you know, she was out of the Jedi order by then and i loved that scene with anakin and ahsoka where he is present in the in the world between worlds and he's like you know i wasn't here for this and we know where he was we know what was happening but ahsoka didn't and she got to tell him like how how this was to her so i think that to answer your question is that i think that ahsoka like almost needed to not reminisce but uh what is the word to re-experience and to almost forgive in a way like I I, there's nothing nobody or anything to forgive but I feel like maybe the experiences how they've shaped her I don't know but I feel like it was something that she needed to enclose so she needed Mm -hmm. to experience closure to move on and sometimes it happens that late in life and i'm doing air quotes because ahsoka is not old but it sometimes like doors are never closed and and sometimes you never experience the the benefit of closure But Ahsoka got to have it in her own way and in a way Mm -hmm. that like war can only offer and the aftermath of it. So I felt like when she woke up, this is what a lot of people made fun of it. But I thought that it was so symbolic, but she's not wearing anything like obviously clothes, but she's not wearing her headband. She is in this like comfortable, loose gear this poncho or whatever and she looks great i i thought rosario looked beautiful in this scene but i thought that it was a very symbolic moment that she was waking up without anything that was constricting mm-hmm. it it was like she was just ahsoka she wasn't like a, a jedi to some people it-, it was just this and then she wakes up to to jason and she gives this like amazing familial hug and I'm getting too far away from where we were originally talking to. I feel like it all like connects. But it does. Then we kind of see her reemerge. This was the Ahsoka the White premiere. Like mm-hmm. I, that's what I wrote it as. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it was the perfect timing to bring it in. And like we said, like with Lord of the Rings, like Gandalf coming back is uh, Gandalf the White. But I thought that it was really great. And I thought that Ahsoka really needed this. And she got to not say goodbye to Anakin but she got to like tell him what she felt and I don't remember exactly what she said and I'm getting so far and I'm so sorry but I'm talking no to you're another. good but yeah it, 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 I think that this was a great scene and I thought that it was really important for Ahsoka to experience I don't know
1: no and I'll just add one more thing onto that is that a lot of us, a lot of us, the audience, got to know Ahsoka, obviously, through the Clone Wars. And we saw what a beautiful relationship, or what a, like, strong relationship that she ended up having with Anakin as her um, his Padawan. But we, obviously, there's no mention of her in the original trilogy. And we know that Anakin died um, with Luke, you know, Uh, And Ahsoka never got to be involved in any of that. And so I think that this episode marries together the ending of Return of the Jedi with Ahsoka's journey in a sense that she gets to have her closure the way that Luke was able to have his closure in a sense. And so we finally get that. I feel like the timeline becomes, in terms of Ahsoka's journey and Anakin's journey, finally gets melded in and, and um weaved together um, almost seamlessly with this scene with this episode because then we get to reconcile Anakin that we knew in the original trilogy with the prequel Anakin with the Clone Wars Anakin and they all get to come together in this in this and and I think I don't remember I could be imagining this but I do believe that Ahsoka mentioned that she wasn't there like she never got to to see Anakin when he passed like she didn't have any yeah. of that closure she mm-hmm. did I feel like she made a mention of this somewhere and then of course we know that she still has all of his recordings and stuff and so I think that she needed to have this closure with her master to be a master to truly be a master to Sabine she yeah. needed to have this closure with her previous master
0: yeah it, it, it was a really beautiful and symbolic episode and I feel like we could talk about it for like the entirety <laughs> of the Sardis Records episode. <laughs> but uh we also got I'm we're always gonna butcher the name. Everybody is, but purgles, purgles we get we get them and they're so cute and beautiful and they look great in live action. And I love that scene and Ahsoka and Hyang decide that they're gonna put themselves in the mouth of one. Very Pinocchio esque of them. And they <laughs> and they go to uh, who we find where we find out in episode six is uh, Paradia. Cool ass name. Cool ass planet. It's apparently the end of the space whales' journey. Like it's it's So we know that Ezra Bridger and Thrawn are there. So we kind of check back in with Balin and, and Shin and everybody and they've all arrived. They're safe. The Eye of Sion worked. Uh, and we meet the Fates, cool as hell. <laughs> uh, we we basically we we see these. This was bad. Oh, let me not say a bad word. This was so cool. But we get what is Dave Filoni's version of the Fates and their Night Sisters. And I love the Greek mythology slash Star Wars merging together. It's so cool. And I really hope that Dave Filoni keeps running with it. But we essentially meet them, and this is another Night Sister settlers planet and it's great and it's really cool and we we'll just jump right into it but we get Lars Mikkelsen who voiced Thrawn and Rebels as live action Thrawn and his introduction was so cool and he's he's the perfect Thrawn in my opinion the like the voice to the face was just great and I I was sitting during that episode and I was like (laughs) <laughs> they really hit a gold mine with Lars Mikkelsen. What did you think? I,
1: same, same. Thought the same. And I love the music leading up to his, like, introduction, and I kept thinking about our friend MJ the whole time, I was like, I was
0: just thinking of her too, yeah,
1: she was, she was living, she was living, we had her on that episode about Thrawn and, and the Chiss, and so I was thinking about her the whole time, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it was done very well, and I think that he embodies Thrawn very well, And I'm so glad that he was able to come back to be him because I'm sure he had such a wonderful time voicing Thrawn. (laughs) Like he did such a good job. So it was really special to see him actually embody him. And it was like, he,
0: he picked off, he picked up exactly where he left off essentially. So it was like, we, we lose Thrawn with with Ezra in the last episode of Rebels. But the last time we see Thrawn is when he's about to go with the Purgles, Purgles, Space Whales, whatever you want to call them. And then, like, he picks back immediately back up when we see him again. And we kind of are introduced to his, like, little army of whatever they called. They were, like, not stormtroopers, but they were dark troopers. Because death troopers is something completely different. But but there is dark troopers. I know. Mm
1: -hmm. So I don't.
0: Troopers. Yeah, you keep talking. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Truth is. But Sabine is there and, and Thrawn automatically recognizes her and is like, hey, like, I know exactly why you might be here. I'm going to let you go look for Ezra. And look for Ezra Bredger. She does. She gets this like really cool uh, pet thing, uh, mount, that I fell in love with immediately. Any weird little critter is a a good critter but she approaches this settlement of like really adorable turtle creatures that i truly truly hope that we see again they were the most adorable little things ever but they know they recognize her rebel insignia and okay first off that i just want to say something like the fact that they associate the rebel insignia with ezra bridger Is and I know that like they are like they're communicate they can't communicate verbally because of the language differences. But the fact that like they look at the rebel insignia and associated with Ezra Bridger is the most beautiful thing, especially because of the sacrifice that he makes for the thought. Like I, I I was in tears. I was in tears. But what does that (laughs) lead to?
1: Uh. well don't they they end up finding him is that the end of this episode that is finding him. that's the end of the episode they they, they find ezra
0: they lead her straight to ezra i was like not well (laughs) i i love ezra bridger i love rebels ezra bridger but there's something that iman as brings to ezra bridger and i warned everybody on twitter that i would become a problem but iman as now that i can talk about him as ezra bridger that man was born to play him. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, he's Ezra Bridger in real life. And the fact that he was on screen for, like, what, 45 seconds? And how he embodied him in those 45 seconds. I was like, oh my god. This man was in his mother's womb was, like, blessed with the <laughs> with the Ezra Bridger casting whatever it's called it it was amazing but i was so desperate for episode seven that whole week i was like sabine and ezra are literally back together and i have to wait a week for it <laughs> but episode seven opens up with Hera's trial which i feel like we haven't really like talked about the situation that she was in yeah, cause she is she is trying
1: to tell the New Republic, hey, Bron is back. He is a threat. We got to do something about this. And uh, she was meeting some opposition. And I think duly with Hera and Mon Mothma, they share they share the same um, conundrum. You know, so Hera's the messenger. She's trying to get the word out. She's trying to convince everyone. Mm-hmm. And Mon has her hands tied. There's only so much she can do with the bureaucracy. You can see. You can feel that she believes. Hera and she's trying to tell Hera like I you know I'm with you but I can't do anything you have to give me more and Hera Mm -hmm. can't give any more and so yeah in that trial uh we get a couple um we get 3PO coming in to give to to basically deliver the good news that um yeah Hera's mission was sanctioned of course Mm -hmm. it was uh Leia Organa she sanctioned it you guys didn't hear blah 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 and so we get to see that Leia kind of um, swooped in and and saved the day on that and kind of covered for Hera uh and that just that just the 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 communication the silent communication between Mon Mothma and Hera and how behind the scenes we know Leia was having a hand in this I just oh that was so so it's meaningful it was so meaningful
0: it's the perfect introduction to General Leia in the sequels. I, I thought that mm-hmm. like the this the like invisible hand that she has on everything was like the perfect to me introduction to sequels Leia. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I put here Mon Mothma being Mom Mothma. <laughs> but also uh, Zaino got his his shit rocked verbally. Uh, by C-3PO and I thought that that was also really in- amazing and I'm really glad that that happened I couldn't take him anymore but you're raising your hand what are you gonna say I have to
1: say, have to say before we move on from this scene Admiral Akbar was in this scene oh. he didn't say he didn't say a word your but that was so good. <laughs> my man yeah. yeah he was there so uh, I couldn't move on from this scene without saying that I was uh that was all I could see at the beginning of that scene I was like my eyes went to the orange
0: and I was like (gasps) (laughs) it was really cool seeing both him and Mon together that was cool
1: yeah yeah so okay I just had to get that out of the way
0: yeah that's okay uh because I I said I was gonna be a problem about Iman so you can be a problem about Akbar but (laughs) uh we get back to Ezra and Sabine and she's she's kind of not telling Ezra what happened. And I thought that that was like, I was so frustrated with her. I was like, Sabine, just say it. Like, just tell him he can handle it. To that point, I
1: think another reason why she didn't say anything was because he was like, I'm ready to go home. And she's like, yeah. thinking get it back yeah. mind, there's no way to like, I don't <laughs> have any sure way to go home.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that also was is true and funny as hell, but <laughs> not really. But yeah, I I also loved the scene where, Shin comes, which she separates from Balin, because Balin is like, I'm I'm not fighting. Like, this isn't what I stand for, essentially, because he's a mercenary, which means that he's not attached to any like political standpoint. And by political standpoint, I mean he's not necessarily attached to Thrawn's wants and needs, which essentially like branch out to Morgan's. So he doesn't go, he doesn't go to fight, but Shin does, and the other, and some troopers. And we see that Ezra is not fighting with a lightsaber, which he doesn't have it obviously, but he is offered one by Sabine and he doesn't accept it. And instead, he uses the Force, which I think is a really great exploration of his character. It's almost like, because we learn, I don't know who says this, but I'm sure that this is like a quote somewhere, but like a lightsaber is an extension of the user, but it is still a weapon. And like Ezra using the force as an extension of himself, like shows how strong it is within him, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I I thought that that was so, so Kanan Jarrus of him. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it was it's also a very uh true of him
0: yeah the, for- yeah. the
1: force is his ally and yeah. and so that that's actually what it reminded me of in the episode I was like this is so true
0: Well, know? Ezra hears true and the world between worlds that's right yeah he hears true and he hears jinn
1: yeah he's
0: so rogue one coded <laughs>
1: he don't he doesn't even realize it <laughs>
0: him Um, and Jin Erso are like two years apart they're so close uh, in age
1: yeah she is a couple years older than him because he was born when Luke Mm -hmm. was born um but yeah no they're I just wish they could have met I know Jin and Ezra would have been
0: besties (laughs) that end of that fight Shin runs Mm -hmm. and I've I I am so deeply saddened by the loss of Ray Stevenson. I, it is such an unfortunate loss, and I hope that like his story doesn't end with Ahsoka. I I I don't know how they would handle something like that. I know that they handled a, you know like Carrie Fisher's death a certain way. I am curious to know if he's going to appear in anything else or i don't know i
1: I thought i i thought i heard something that he is gonna have some sort of an appearance and something like that they weren't we hadn't seen the last of him as Balin. i thought i'd heard something like that and i and i not i don't think they were speaking on season two of ahsoka um but i will say i wanted to say one thing about how you were like he separated from shin because he didn't his goals didn't align with thrones but and it I need to just watch that episode again or just that scene again because he has several different conversations with Shin yeah. that lead up to him separating from her. And it's because he has a bigger goal and we see that goal qu- sort of foreshadowed at the end of the season, but it's like he wanted to get to Caridia for himself, not even for Thrawn, but because like he wanted- to- there's he has some other goal so I wonder how they're gonna I do wonder how that will work out like how that that plot line will work out but I I, yeah I want to know like what his actual goal was he's like you know you he was telling Shin like you don't have the same goals as I do and that's okay like but I'm gonna go do this and this is how I you know and he was talking about how Peridia was like like it had been like a myth or a legend that he heard about in the temple at when he was a, a Padawan, or you know, a, a younger Jedi before every the yeah. Republic fell, and that it was like a story that was told, which I think I've made mention of this before, maybe just to you or a, another friend, but um maybe it was to MJ. But I thought it was really cool how they're they're bringing in lore or put it giving Pretty a lore that's not not just Dathomiri, but also Jedi, and we'll talk about this because we'll just go back to this when we get to the end of this um series review because the end of the series kind of indicates that more but I wonder what what his whole goal was because he's like I don't want to do this war stuff anymore I don't want I want to break the cycle it's like how are you gonna break the cycle dude I know um
0: yeah his character is definitely interesting and I wonder how they'll explore it more and I am excited to see how they do it but uh, I forgot how that. Oh, the episode ends with Ahsoka re- coming into the fight. Like she does, like she- mm-hmm. appear, which is really. I feel like it's really Ahsoka thing to do to just kind of like appear and start fighting. But <laughs> no, <laughs> not necessarily. But it leads us into episode eight, uh, which at the beginning is Ahsoka and and Ezra have this really beautiful reunion scene, and I I thought it was great. Like I, I feel like a lot of people. I don't want to say a lot of people, but I feel like their relationship in Rebels was just as important uh, of Ezra's other mentor figures. While she was not super present, she was still present, Mm -hmm. and Kanan and as uh kanan and ahsoka had like a couple of conversations that i feel like probably like bled into his teachings for ezra and like they have that beautiful scene in the world between worlds the last season of rebels which i feel like is so important and is what grew their relationship like they both lost their masters and ahsoka while kind of failing to do herself is still I think the word is placating, giving that advice to Ezra, like, I can't save my master and you can't save yours. Like like Canaan's sacrifice was was what saved everybody else. So I don't know. The hug I feel like was really meaningful and beautiful and I loved it. But it also kind of led into like our little trio again. And what'd they do? They
1: broke into the <laughs> fortress. <laughs> And this is where I will bring it back and let you know that the troopers, not the undead troopers, but the troopers that, or maybe they were undead at this time. I don't know. But the troopers that Thrawn has are called night troopers now. Oh, okay. No wait, Okay. But now listen, listen. Now, Something with the knowing, dark. <laughs> well, well, knowing that they're connected with the
0: Dathomiri
1: night troopers, oh, night that's cool. brothers.
0: Yeah yeah sorry
1: it's all coming together it's yeah. all coming together um but yes so they have this really cool um fight against these undead troopers which is also and people who've read like legends books and are familiar with um the the i think it's just called death troopers um book where there's basically zombie troopers. This this kind of like people are like, oh yeah, this is like that book. Okay. So yeah, you you get it. But um mm-hmm. I just thought it was so cool to see how they all were able to work together, how they all came together and and uh use their different skills. Ezra with his connection with the force um sabine coming into her own and and starting to use her abilities and we haven't touched on this too much since some of the first episodes we talked about but um sabine has started to grow in the force she heard ahsoka's voice through the <laughs> force
0: she um completely forgot a- all about that.
1: <laughs> she so so she she has uh, started to come into her own with that and we it all culminates with them facing off with well ahsoka faces off with Elspeth and uh Ezra and Sabine face off at the top of the, basically the top of the the, the castle, the tower, yeah. and are trying to to go after Thrawn. And they make the decision to. Uh, uh, Sabine's like, "Trust me," and Ezra's like, "Ah!" <laughs> and she throws him, throws him into the ship, and so then Ezra is reunited with Thrawn again and again off on an adventure with Thrawn, and leaving behind Sabine and Ahsoka, which i think I, we, it's we frustrating
0: like, we jumped to that really fast but the episode results no the episode was was fast i, I feel it, like was. it was which doesn't mean it was narratively bad like i don't think that mm-hmm. the episode was bad at all but i i also feel like like the quickness of it was purposeful in my opinion yes i don't know
1: yes no but, yeah and because it it sets i think as frustrating as it is, it is to not have like a a, a full like, like, like satisfying closure. ending mm-hmm. because it, it is like a you know it's the first part of more of a story so obviously we're not going need everything all at once uh I, I think it was good because you know we've had this struggle with sabine and ahsoka their master apprentice struggle uh kind of like push and pull and now they're going to be together and they're going to work together and that relationship will probably grow stronger and be more yeah, uh, they're gonna learn more. Both of them are gonna learn more, and then Ezra gets to go home, and we see at the end he gets to have his reunion with uh
0: with his space with mom. Yeah, with, with Hera. Space mom. I uh, I heard I heard like people talking that they were not on the same set, so that's why there was like no hug. Oh. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. I I, don't, I just treated all as rumors, but. I thought that it was an okay reunion. It's obviously it like wasn't like the most satisfying, I think, cuz I think we all kind of expected like a super emotional like oh my god, like Ezra and Hera are back together and they're hugging and there's tears and but I don't know. I I I thought it was beautiful in its own way. I mm-hmm. thought that them just standing there, kind of being in each other's presence, was emotional in its own way. I think that sometimes just like being so lucky to be in the presence of another is, is, uh, can, can still you. I, I mm-hmm. don't, I can't think of the word, can like paralyze you in a way. Like you're just so excited and happy and relieved that the other person is alive that sometimes you can just stand there and kind of bask in their presence. If that makes yeah. sense
1: no yeah it does I uh, uh and we don't know season two could pick up with them basically in the same scene yeah that's so so, so if we could get more of them like it, getting to know each other again and and catching up um and oh my gosh maybe we'll see Ezra with I mean I'm sure we will Ezra with Jason oh yes
0: he'll meet Jason because he wasn't he wasn't there she mm-hmm. was pregnant at the time of the end of- <gasps> what if
1: he probably didn't even know that she was pregnant.
0: No, that's the thing; she didn't know. So maybe it'll be like a. This is now, my. This is now my child, or this is now my <laughs> my uh, Padawan. So that's how we kind of wrap up the episode, where we kind of leave off with Ahsoka and Sabine and how it's it's a bit of a cliffhanger. They're stuck on Paradia. they just essentially like switched places with Ezra? Which was a really interesting um, thing to do, but it, it proves that it's not the end of their story, and we see that Balin is still there, and he's standing on statues of the the brother, the sister, and the father. The father. Yeah, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that was a really interesting to bring. Thing the to Mortis, bring into the Mortis yes. gods, Yeah, which the Mortis arc was like a very heavy Clone Wars arc.
1: And they were in Rebels. They were referenced in Rebels yeah. in some murals. The so they yep,
0: yep. And they so- were in they were in Andor. Big <laughs> <hands>. felone. Yeah. <laughs> the set designers of Andor. <laughs>
1: they knew what they were doing. They could they were like, this is gonna be relevant.
0: Pretty <laughs> um but really cool way to leave off it's obviously open-ended we had uh season two has not been like mentioned of any way or or confirmed so i think we're just kind of crossing our fingers i know i am i would really um like a season two i i think that it would be super fun and it would be nice to see the whole ghost crew like i'd really like if we could get like a live action callus um and zeb zeb yeah zeb, come back Where that, did they go
1: Our our Cala Zeb agenda. We'd like to see that. Well, I know
0: that it is Zeb is mentioned. Like, Zeb Mm -hmm. apparently is training new recruits. Uh, So it would be cool if they, like, kind of go to him in the next season. Is like, hey, like, Theron. is... What? Um,
1: Imagine a scene with Ezra reuniting with Zeb. That'll be so cute. My heart would literally explode. It would be splattered all across the walls. Um
0: yeah we need that we need that yeah <laughs> we really do and I I have like so many fan casts for uh callous uh but I ultimately think like it comes down to who can do the voice the best because mm-hmm. uh David's voice is just so iconic and um I really hope they get like a good uh, maybe an unknown maybe a lesser known actor would be really cool but
1: Yeah, yeah, and and one more one more little um thing we didn't touch on is that Thrawn he's in the galaxy now and he's gonna go to Dathomir yeah with with all those caskets and I truly do believe it's gonna be like uh, an undead army they're gonna like raise an undead army on Dathomir or something like that that's I'm like why would else would you bring all these casket sized things in a row on this ship and bring them from a Dathomir planet with the Sisters, who have have seen raise undead yeah I just think they're going to use Dathomir's power and just raise a bunch of undead people and yeah. bring back <laughs> Thrawn's version of the empire I don't know
0: did the fates go with him I can't remember I I think they, that they did they did I thought they that did. they did too so they're going they back did. home they're like road trip to Dathomir <laughs> uh but that'll be cool uh it's I, I was thinking, and I think I mentioned this to you, but I do wonder what, like, the Jedi game people think about them going back to Dathomir. Mm. If, I don't know. not That might not even be relevant, but I do wonder, like, what they think. But any final thoughts on the season? Doesn't have to be, like, an analysis could just be. That was really cool. I can't wait it, for it more. Was,
1: it was really cool. My Rebels nostalgia was fed and leaving me hungry for more. Mm -hmm. and so yeah season two bring it on i i need i need more i need to know what happens
0: (laughs) yeah my only final thought is that i i i like missed talking about we did talk about it but i think i missed talking about it in like podcast form like i i I love covering star wars i think Mm -hmm. it's so fun and i can't wait the next one might be skeleton crew or the acolyte yeah. Uh now that the strike is over, like things can get kind of back to work. So it's just kind of all up in the air. And until Star Wars officially talks about it, we don't know. But that's okay. <laughs> it's okay to not know. But it was great. I really liked it. I, I, I loved everything about it. I thought Natasha did a great job as Bean. I thought uh Mary Elizabeth did a great job as Hera, and I thought Iman was perfect for Ezra. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as much of a problem as I wanted to be. I kind of dialed it back a little bit. But <laughs> that kind of wraps up this episode. Uh, next week is Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, close enough. Close enough. <laughs> so we, we probably have we'll do one more episode and then after we'll, we're will we just going to take a Thanksgiving break because I know we both uh, celebrate it because we're in the United mm-hmm. States. but And then we'll just kind of come back and see you after we'll see where we go from there but uh where can we find you on social media
1: you can find me on twitter at a cosmic love and on instagram at rebel risen and where can we find you
0: uh anywhere really twitter instagram tiktok uh at Andorisms, and we will see you next week for another episode of stardust oh my god of Stardust Records. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.